Hey, welcome back to the Renew Church Podcast, where we have honest and authentic conversations around Jesus and his mission. My name is Eric, and I am joined in studio yet again by my very handsome-looking co-host, Pastor Andrew Wood. How are you this fine day? I am haircut-less yeah. in comparison to you this fine day. I, my wife, she crushed it, man. I, I have been paying for haircuts for a long, long time, and I think I'm done. I think this is the last... This is it. This is the best you've had. I love this haircut. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was saying to you earlier that not only did you get your hair cut, but you got your hair faded. Yeah. And to have like a, like a decent fade done at home is uh, that's all you really need in life. YouTube. 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 Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually impressed. And my wife's been telling me to get my hair cut for weeks and I haven't. Yeah, figured out what I need in order to do that. So, if you've stumbled across this podcast in a year or so, this is amidst our quarantine. Mm. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's why we're talking about this. What should I way. do with my hair? I think you should grow it out and then and get a nice fade. You think with a little bit of length on the top? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's our barbershop. That's our barbershop segment. Barbershop I've actually always talk. wanted to. I've always wanted to have a barber. Yeah. that I went to regularly that had barbershop conversations. I've never had... I got my hair cut, cut by a Filipino lady who's so sweet and so nice at Aramil's Town Center, the barber's chair, because my dad has gone there basically that. his yeah. whole life. Um, and, but she's not like barber chair, talk shop type, you know? Yeah, you want like the movie barbershop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like the, the show... LeBron um, James. The LeBron James yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, like something where it's like someone's doing my hair, but I'm having great compelling conversations with others yeah. around me. Do those exist? I haven't seen one here in Canada, especially in Milton, Ontario. No, in back home, I used to get my hair cut by a lady who smelled like Doritos, so... She offer you any Doritos? No, that, I've never see, that saw been a, uh, that would have been a close a second. Dorito. Well, speaking of meaningful conversation... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, we we uh, we're really excited about this this episode of the podcast. Mm. Uh, we have some cool things we uh, are going to just talk about, and uh, we hope that it's engaging for you guys too, uh, listening at home. Uh, just want to quick remind you to subscribe to the podcast for sure to get alerts when we post these. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really awesome. Uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or, or just listening to the audio, uh, make sure you 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 sign up and, and subscribe. That that helps us. It helps you. It's, it's a win-win-win. So yeah, it is. Uh, make sure you do that. Also, uh, if you have questions or comments or things that you'd like to see um, talked about, just go ahead and post those in the comments or, or send us an email or whatever. Yeah, so, that would be super helpful. What yeah. email would they send that to? Uh, you can send it to eric at renewchurch.ca. Nice. E-R-I-K. Eric with a K. Eric with a K. Okay. So, well, uh, let's dive in today. I think uh, we have some cool things coming up. So at the time of this recording, we are, this is Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. And in a week from now will be the the most important Christian quote unquote holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not quote unquote. No, it's a, holiday. Get, it's a hot. We get a day off, I think, in Canada still. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you should. Yeah. It's it's sweet. So um, Easter, or as I prefer, the the Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. Where we celebrate Jesus, His resurrection. Do we and, have to talk why you prefer Resurrection Sunday? I mean, we don't have to talk about that today. Okay. Uh, that's probably a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, it is. Um, For those who are wondering, what's the, like the short and sweet? The short version is I don't worship a bunny with eggs or a pagan goddess named Ishtar. So I call it Resurrection Sunday. Right. You okay. wouldn't call like you wouldn't call Christmas, you know, winter solstice or Saturnalia or whatever. Christians actually get really mad at people who do. Right. Right. 
So it's the same thing. Isn't that funny? It's actually worse, in my opinion, but yeah. that's okay. You know? But you're not mad about it. Like you're, no. You understand where we're I'm at. I'm on a small... It's like sort of like the fire, that the little ember that always is a little bit burning. You know, like I am serious, but it's, I'm fine with the bunnies and the Easter eggs. And There's all like 98% of us who are like, okay, yeah, I actually get that, but I'm never going to correct somebody. Yeah, you're I'm the never one percent who will correct somebody, I, and then there's one percent who will do worse things than correct somebody. I don't correct people. I go with it, but um, when I have a platform to tell uh, about, you know, the the dangers of Ishtar and her <laughs> d- demonic presence. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to sidetrack us. Take us on a rabbit trail. Oh, I see what you did. Anyway, so e- Easter yep. is coming up. And uh, for Renew Church, we are doing a so, sort of a liturgical practice. Yeah. And we're, we're going to kind of walk through the Passover meal um, and, and a Seder meal and do some other things. And uh, uh, you kind of... I think this was kind of your brainchild in our staff meeting um, as far as the Seder kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and c- why don't you just, just give us a brief, uh, I mean, for those of you guys who are participating, it's going to be super fun, but uh, why don't you just give us a brief kind of, what is the Seder meal? Well, so I, I did this a few years ago, and it was uh, a recommendation from my wife because she had done it many years ago mm-hmm. and thought it would be a unique thing for us to do with our young adults group. And yeah. what we did then was we basically took what is commonly known today as a, as, as a Jewish Seder um, meal, right. uh, which you can read the literature on it, but it's, it's really just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Jewish holiday. It's actually one of the biggest Jewish holidays celebrating the Passover. Yeah. Um, and then there's all these kind of elements that you eat with this meal and there's some like reciting of certain Psalms and some back and forth, uh, you know, readings of scripture and there's different kind of elements that you take and they all have representation of different things. Right. And so we thought uh, it would be cool to uh, do something like that, obviously with, in mind that Jesus is the Messiah that was expected and anticipated. Right. And, uh, and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is kind of like the quote-unquote new exodus. Yeah. Um, so we kind of did that. So it was, it's, a co- it's a co-opted kind of you know, Jewish celebration. And we did that a few years ago. And, uh, and we had a really good experience with it with the young adults. So it was, yeah. it was unique. As, as an evangelical, uh, we don't really, and we have, we'll talk about this in a second, but we don't really have like that kind of liturgy that we do necessarily. Right. Everything, you know, it's, it's not as formal. Uh, and it was nice to actually take things back and do something formal, step by step, yeah. you know, read and repeat type stuff. And then kind of talk about the meaning behind it. So that's what we did. And then I thought, you know, that'd be really cool to be able to do something like that as a whole church. Because most of our church has probably never done a Seder before. And because Christians aren't, I mean, it's a Jewish thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it can be a Christian thing, uh, you know, if, if you yeah. have certain I mean, uh, ideas about it. But yeah. So three quarters of the Bible is for Jewish people. So yeah. And you know, Christianity is really just a, a Jewish offshoot, offshoot, right? But so I mean, we won't get into that. But <laughs> but what we thought would be cool for our for our whole church is to actually do a seder because we're all at home with our families. We're all yeah. looking for unique things to do. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're actually going to have a live stream of somebody walking us through the different elements and the different readings and the different recitings. And then families at home can actually watch that and take the certain elements and kind of repeat the certain times and do the certain things together while eating together yeah. around a uh, a table. I'm really excited about it because I'm sick of churches doing the egg drop thing, you know, where they do the helicopter and they, they you know, I, like, so I'm from the States and like every big church around us does like a thing where they take Easter eggs up into a helicopter and like throw them out and then kids run and, and get them. Yeah. And it's like, Sounds it's, it was cool once. 
And, well, it sounds cool, yeah. But once. Not but, well, every church does it every year, and you're just kind of like, okay, but come I, on. I see, I, that's the thing. I've never been come to on, one. Come on, Keith Maneer. Right? Because, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I hope he doesn't. I hear. love you, Keith. I'm just no, kidding. No, but so like I, I've never actually been to a helicopter drop because there's not that many churches around here right. that are paying that kind of money to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but we, but I get what you're saying. The yeah. Easter egg hunt. We've it's done like, the Easter egg hunt. We've done the Easter egg. It's hunt. always a great way to get kids out, families out. They get free stuff. Everyone loves free chocolate, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. you're right. It's kind of like a we're celebrating a something a little, something that something a little you know maybe maybe isn't Jesus, and then we're yeah. also you know spending What's, a lot of money on it. Did your parents do like Easter gifts? They did, I think when we were younger, we did Easter egg hunts, and then they would do like Easter like like basket. baskets with mostly candies in it and maybe like a Lego set or something. I don't, yeah. You'd have to ask little, them. I don't actually remember. Trinkety things. I remember one time getting uh, the VHS copy of Aladdin Dude. in my Easter basket. That might and be an all time. My sister and I were thrilled to get that because back then those Disney VHS tapes were. Gold. You got a pagan gift on a different pagan holiday. That's huh? right. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're <laughs> gonna be pagan. You might as well go all the way, right? So anyway, yeah, that's that's cool. So um, it, this this kind of talk about seder, talk about this kind of new practice and stuff like that um, for us, at least as as renewed church. Uh, you know, it it sort of spawned a, a conversation with you and I just mm-hmm. about um, liturgy in general. And it was something I thought would be kind of fun to talk about, especially leading up to us doing something a little bit more liturgical. Yeah. Um, and so just for you if, you, if you've never heard that word, liturgy, um, it's pri- basically it's just a formal practice of religious worship. Yeah. Right? It's like anything that you do that's like officially part of your religion. Um, right. And so uh, the... You know, great examples of that are traditionally like Catholic traditions or or stuff like that. Um, you know, th- what are some liturgies that you think of when you when you think of liturgies? I mean, when I think of them, I think of like high church. Yeah. Like you know, you know, sit down, stand up, do the yeah. cross, do the thing, dip the hand in the water, sprinkle it here, cross the bow. I think of like a Romanian Orthodox wedding I was at a couple years ago where I didn't understand a single thing that was going on, but it seemed like everything was purposeful and meaningful. And they were doing all these different elements and kissing like this and putting crowns on and all this kind of stuff. So I picture that when I think of liturgy, which it is liturgy. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes, like that was one of the things that we talked about was that primarily at least in North America, when we talk about liturgy, we're talking about high church. We're talking about, um, you know, practices that would be practiced by, like, Catholics or, or Orthodox. Anglicans, yeah, Orthodox, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Presbyterian even is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a Protestant, but, but sort of still liturgical in their practices yep. and stuff like that. And so um, we, I, I was kind of struck with, I read a book a couple of years ago uh, by a guy named James K.A. Smith, and he's the professor of... Uh, philosophy, I think, at Calvin College. And uh, he wrote a really interesting book called You Are What You Love. Hmm. You Are What You Love. And um, the book was really, I'm, I don't remember everything that it, it was several years ago, but um, the book was kind of a maybe we should revisit liturgy in the Protestant tradition, hmm. in the you know non-Catholic traditions that that because typically we 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 don't do many liturgies yeah you know well at least well, we would say we don't yeah yeah that's the that's the thing we 
we do. We actually do. I mean, my, when, when you show up to Renew Milton, um, typically the same things happen at the same time every Sunday. Yeah. And so we have our own liturgy. We have our own, you know, liturgical order. Yeah. It's not that we have agreed that this, this exact thing has to happen and it has to happen like this, and these are all the reasons why. But yeah. we do practice liturgy in all areas of our life and, and, and most consistently when it comes to church practice. It just feels different. It looks different, or we don't really call it, call that. it that. Or, um, you know, we, we focus so much on the motivation going into whatever the practice is rather than the actual forms of the practices themselves. Right. Which is why you would say, and I would also say, like, in the evangelical Western church, we don't do liturgy. We don't practice liturgy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, in my context of church, uh, you know, on a, like on a typical Sunday, uh, we would, you know, unpack a trailer and set up chairs and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And so I wonder, you know, if Paulo Garcia is, is listening to this, and maybe the getting the chairs perfectly straight is part of his liturgy. Yeah. You know, and it's something that is careful and, and prepared and, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's yeah. kind of an interesting thought. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned some, some liturgies that we do. Kind of just to, to broad stroke, the, or identify the liturgies that are, are kind of, you know, like even preaching. Yeah. Like the, the preaching, a sermon, preaching of a sermon mm-hmm. as part of your worship service is, is a liturgy. It is. Yeah. The singing of songs, yeah. any kind of song. praise and worship songs, yeah. Yeah. hymns or whatever, or, or praying, praying, even praying out loud or yeah. reading the scriptures, taking out up loud. an offering and doing giving is, is a liturgical practice. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> all these things are liturgies. And so it, it's sort of this, and, and James K. A. Smith's book, um, he, sort of, uh, he sort of introduces this idea, which I thought was really, really compelling. And the idea is this, is that what you, we are not primarily thinking beings. Mm. You know, in the West, we think, we, we put a lot of stock into thought, yeah. what we think about it. But if I think that I'm the best basketball player that's ever lived, it doesn't really change. You know what I mean? It, like thinking is not the same as, as, as doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, his kind of premise was that, uh, what we do actually speaks more to our core desires than mm. what we think. Hmm. We don't always love the things we think. Have you ever, like you, 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 you have these thoughts in your mind and, and it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. I love tacos or whatever. I don't really, but I think, you know, or, or, you know, maybe when we were younger and dating, we were like, oh man, I think I'm in love with this girl or this, you know, yeah. and, and we think things and, and they don't always turn out to be true. Yeah. But the things that we practice are oftentimes better indicators to us of the things that we love. Yeah. And, you know, he, he kind of goes into our, how our culture has identified some of these things, which I thought was really, really compelling. And one of them was uh, like uh, our proclivity to towards sports teams Mm -hmm. yeah you know like do you know people who are are liturgical about their team yeah i know i'm man there's just think about sunday football right sunday football uh is is liturgical especially for americans like it's it's there's there's no debate after church on sunday i'm going home and i'm watching the one o'clock game, the four o'clock game, and the eight o'clock game, and then Monday night football is what I'm watching, no matter who's playing, right? Like that, yeah. there's a liturgy to that, and and then I'm also I'm eating, 
you know, I'm eating chili or, you know, jalapeno poppers. Right. And and I'm putting on my Jersey (laughs) and, um, you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's a, there's a practice to this. There's, there's a weekly rhythm. Yes. And a lot of people have talked about this kind of thing, you know, And, and we're not by any means saying that like, uh, I don't think we're vilifying sport, the love of your sports team. No, not at all. But but there is something about like we get really particular mm. about certain things like that, and sports is really easy ones. Like some people trick out their basement like mad crazy, yeah. with, and kind of create a little shrine. Yeah, you oh, know, to their little, you know, and they have yeah. the memorabilia, the artifacts of worship, and you know, you start, you kind of. You know, you might be putting a little bit into a stock into it, a little bit more than it needs to, but um, there is this kind of liturgy to to that sort of lifestyle, and and the the point is not to say that those things are bad. I, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't really love sports, but I love other things, and and I do the same thing to those things that I love. Yeah, yeah. You know, sport or Star Wars or or, or nerd stuff and music and all that kind of stuff. So I we all do the same thing. We yeah. all do it, right? Um, and, uh, and his point was, what if we consider the things that we do, the practices that we have Mm -hmm. as being liturgical? Yeah. And he even had this kind of uh, remarkable statement that, um, we should take a liturgical audit of our life. Mm, I like that. And I thought it was an interesting premise, especially in our season right now, where, a lot of us are watching Tiger King and, <laughs> you know, like binging our Netflix shows yeah, or, or doing our thing. And we have this, uh, we don't necessarily need to throw all that stuff out. No. But we should consider it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, a Canadian psychologist, Jordan Peterson, actually says it a little bit uh, differently. Um, and I picked this up a few years ago from him. The idea was that uh, when people were asking him what he believes about certain things, uh, he's, his definition of belief is, um, is only things that he lives as though are true. And so the idea with that is that, uh, you know, he, he won't make a claim of belief unless he's willing to uh, embody it, right? Sure. Live as though it's true, i.e., um, if it's a liturgical practice, then that shows actually how much he believes it. And if it's not, if it's not a part of his liturgy, his weekly routine, his right. practices, um, you know, what he's trying to show with his body, what's going on internally, then, then he yeah. probably doesn't believe it. And, and I think there's something to that audit where you're asking yourself, like, what does my weekly liturgy look like? And what does it say about what I actually think or what I actually believe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for sure. I think that those kind of considerations are so worthwhile, especially if you claim Christ, you know, like that's one of the things that we're called to is cons- like take account of our life and see, you know, what's in there and, mm-hmm. and how it reflects the Bible and um, become more like Jesus in it is the hope. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of uh, we, we kind of jumped around a little bit, but we've addressed a little bit of like the cultural liturgy. Yeah. Right. Um, what about in religion? Are there liturgies for you that have been helpful? Hmm. You know, like besides maybe the ones that we typically think of in North American church, have there been liturgies for you that you've incorporated that have been helpful? Yeah. Um, so one liturgy for me that I found helpful when it is being embodied, when I am living it out, um, is on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. When we were allowed outside going to our offices. <laughs> Remember uh, that? Yeah, I would try to come to my office uh, in the morning and I would spend the first hour and a half to two hours uh, and it would include some it would include some scripture reflection, but not an hour of it. It would include having um, 
ambient music on, mm-hmm. so not necessarily worship music, but it was synth, or if, if it was ambient, it was it was chill music, yeah. it was you know whatever pads or whatever. Uh, and then I would either be podcasting something I thought was interesting, uh, or I'd be watching something on YouTube that was that was filling me up spiritually. And so it was like a it was it was a it was a, at least a three day a week practice liturgy for me that was actually refreshing to me and my soul. It centered me on those days, yeah. and uh, it kind of reminded me before I started my day of what 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 I'm actually about. Yeah. And so for me, that was kind of a yeah a weekly liturgy that I. Yeah. Found helpful. Yeah, I don't know if that answer your question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and on the podcast, we've talked about stuff like Sabbath that we've incorporated yeah. and things like Still that. Still working on that, man. It's it's hard to it's hard to lock down, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. And, and I think personal, like those personal practices, are really really helpful. But let's even zoom out a little bit further mm-hmm. for a second. Like, what are I, I come from a, a pretty like I've been at a at a Protestant quote unquote evangelical church my whole life, right? Yeah. Um, and I've always, I've always kind of expressed worship in a very similar way. Um, and one of the things that, so just a quick church history. Yeah. So when Martin Luther pinned his 95 theses and, you know, uh, started this reformational thing where, uh, we, we get Protestantism, prote- mm-hmm. you're protesting the way that the, the Catholic Church is, was, you know, like, is, is that where it comes from? I think yep. it is. Yep. And, um, and, and that's, that's kind of been the, I don't know, rebirth of our tradition is, you know, we always want to go back to the first century instead of again. Um, but we, we Protestant Christians got really uh, quick to throw things out. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, like what are what are some things that that come to mind when like we think about um, throwing things out with the liturgical bathwater? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. there's been some practices for yeah. us that have always been part of the Christian tradition that we sort of lost in the Reformation mm-hmm. because we're trying to distance ourselves from this certain kind of practice and this certain kind of vibe and this certain yeah. kind of look. And uh, and there's been a lot of those kind of things. We, like we were talking about um, a, a, a few of them. Uh, even just like the uh, like the the calendar, yep. the things that we recognize, yeah. You know, yeah. What, what what other things have been? I mean, I think we've at least as a at least what I've observed, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but um, the the more we deconstructed, I feel like the evangelical church or the Western church, or the Protestant church, mm-hmm. has really held on to two things, which have been baptism and the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, Eucharist. the bread and cup, right? right? Like that's the two things Jesus said you know, do this, right? And then we look at that and go, it's the only two things that Jesus really said, do this. Yeah. And so what we do when we deconstruct is we throw everything out. Right. And then we kind of rebuild it. And what we've rebuilt is what we kind of see today, which is we sometimes do bread and cup. Some churches do it every Sunday. Some do it once in a while. Some right. do it threefold like we do in our tradition. Um, and then we baptize people who come to know Jesus. And so most, most Western evangelical Protestant churches are doing that. Mm-hmm. And then we've all kind of added the praise and worship piece and the teaching of the saints, i.e. preaching the word of God yeah. and stuff like that. We've added that, but we know it's, those aren't commands necessarily right. from um, Jesus like in the it. same way. We don't think of them as there, there's two ordinances, right? And yeah. everything else is just kind of can look like how it looks, right? And so we've kind of thrown everything out. But kind of the big ones, um, well, maybe this is, and we didn't talk about this earlier, but I was actually online a couple months ago. And, uh, and I was looking for, you know, different um, kind of retreat centers where you can have like, like a silence and solitude retreat. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Catholic tradition is known for that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of high church traditions are known for that. 
And so I was looking around and there was one that has built like the world's biggest rosary, is it the rosary, the beads. Yeah. And like the, the, it's in Canada and it's basically like each bead is like this seat you can sit in and it's all connected by this big white chain or whatever. Yeah. It's this massive multi-acre yeah. thing, right? But then that got me into being like, what is, what is the deal with the rosary? Like I heard about it, I've read about yeah. it before, but I was like, what? that's something that's actually beautiful. And when I, when I was watching stuff about it and reading stuff about it, like, yes, there's, there's all sorts of worries and concerns with certain things that you pray and who you're praying to, et cetera. Like we can yeah. set that aside for a sec because we're talking about liturgy here. And just the practice of going piece by piece and praying about a specific and certain thing piece by piece yeah. is beautiful. That's liturgical. And we've totally thrown that out. Yeah. For us, prayer isn't actually reciting anything. We, don't, we barely recite prayers. We barely even recite the Lord's prayer. Right. We, you know, in, our, in our tradition, it's like, you know, I've, actually, I've had people say to me, can you say one of those prayers when I'm going to do their wedding? Can you say one of those prayers? I'm like, what prayers? What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? You, and they're thinking of a scripted prayer, right? Yeah. They're thinking of a written down scripted yeah. historical prayer. And when I think prayer, I think close my eyes and talk to God, right? Yeah. Whatever comes to mind. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're hanging so out with your So even buddies. to that point, uh, that would be a major thing that I think yeah. we've kind of thrown out. And we, we, don't, we can do both, but we, we, we don't really in our tradition, right? Yeah. That, and, and that brings up kind of the, the point is, we, and we talked about this before the podcast, was liturgy without meaning is pointless, yeah, it's just practice, it's, it's religiosity. It's, it's it becomes a dead religion. Empty tradition. Yeah. Empty tradition. Yep. Um, but liturgy with meaning is really, really powerful. Yeah. And and I think that there is an individualistic portion of that. Like I think some liturgies need to be uh, you know, practiced on your own, maybe. Like, you know, like I think you can do those things. Um, but but I, I just found it so remarkable. Like so a lot of my friends come from a Catholic or high church tradition. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, what I hear a lot as a pastor even is like, we used to stand up and sit down and we used to eat crackers and we don't really know what any of that stuff means, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even things to the, the way that built cathedrals are constructed. And there's actually liturgy to that, the architecture mm. of cathedral. There's liturgy behind the stained glass you know, uh, the story behind stained glass was before people were literate, um, you know, they would they would put kind of the gospel story in image and it would be a way that people could understand God without no, having to know how to read. Isn't that the most fun thing when you, from coming from our background, yeah. when you start visiting old churches in different parts of the world yeah. and you start learning, oh, all this isn't just the church showing off and spending their wealth, right? right? Like everything had a purpose and a yeah. meaning and it's, yeah. and we've lost that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, e- it's easy when you grow up in the tradition and the meaning gets lost yeah. for you to keep going through the motions of, you know, practice and, and you really don't glean anything from it. And I think that that's, what's really important is, is to understand the meaning behind whatever practice we're doing. And so for me as a pastor, it's like, why do we, why do I preach the gospel? Why do I do some teaching message? There's got to be meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. And if there's no meaning behind it, it's just me talking and pontificating on some scripture passage. Mm-hmm. It's probably not worthwhile, mm-hmm. you know, and that other things are probably more worthwhile, 
you know, like praying uh, uh, in a formulaic way, like praying through something specific and ordered mm-hmm. is it, it could be really, really stretching and growing. And, yeah. and I think that those kind of ideas are really interesting. Yeah. I, an example of that is this morning on my way in, I was listening to Josh Lehman, our friend um, who lives out Kingston area. He released a new album and one of the uh, songs on the album available to you on Spotify. On Spotify and Apple Music, <laughs> everywhere. Um, Plug and Josh. Yeah, he's just he's solid. We we love him. Yeah. We miss him. He's he's solid and he makes amazing music. But this is an acoustic album. But one of the songs is like literally repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it wasn't until like two to three minutes in of repeating that same thing when it actually started to like, yeah, get to me. Like it started yeah. to go inside inside you. me, and I started to feel it rather than just like sing it as I would any other song, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the idea with it's the goal is liturgy is is you do these things over and over and over again and the point is that eventually they either seep in or they did seep in from the beginning and maybe right. you've lost that and you kind of can reclaim that and find it again rather yeah. than just throw it out because you've lost its meaning yeah yeah i think that's really what really are cool. some things in the church that we what other things you said worship or whatever or sorry you said preaching of the word and if you're getting up there kind of doing it yeah. Without meaning, then it's kind of empty. What are there other things? Well, yeah, I mean, even even worship music too. Like we we uh, the evangelical community, the Christian community now, we get some sort of um, uh, I guess criticized, and I think some of it's fair that music now has become the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there's a if you if you make singing about liturgy, if you make it about God, if you make it about Jesus first, then it, it, it sort of becomes meaningful again. You know, it, it needs to kind of always come back to that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I love, uh, so much of what, what the church has been putting out as far as music and the creativity and the beauty and the, some of the, the poetry of language and stuff like that, of just expressing not only the scriptures in a new way or in a new light or the truths of God in a new way or a new light. Um, you know, there's some amazing stuff, but at the same time, there's fog machines and pyrotechnics and there's the show element. And I think that those things can exist, coexist. They can be liturgical and they can be purposeful and a part of it. Yep. But it has to come down to the meaning. It has to come down to the pursuit of a practice that brings us closer to God. Mm. It has to. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then it's not worth doing. Yeah. And as a worship leader, you know, like that's, that's a strong state. Like I love music. And, but it, if, if ever I fail to connect the meaning of the song, uh, and if I place the, you know, the fun element of the song before the meaning of it or whatever, you know, then, and I should just be silent. It's better to be silent. Yeah. That, you know, um, but other ones are, are, you know, like one of the ones actually, I, I'd like to dig into to something that you yeah. had mentioned. Uh, we talked a little bit about the idea of confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, confession we typically think of as a, a Catholic or Orthodox practice where you kind of go into a little booth and you, you tell uh, the priest, you know, you know the, the things that you, have, you need to confess, sin right, right. in your life. And um, in the Protestant tradition, we have, we have chucked that out the window. Totally out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I, I want to I want to kind of dig into because you had I thought you had some really good comments about that and some interesting ways that you're applying the meaning uh, back into your life in a new way. Hmm. So um, what what first of all let's say what is the 
what is the benefit of confession in the life of a Christian? Man, the benefit a, of confession in the life of the Christian. I mean, practically, somebody else knows uh, the thing that only I would know if I don't right. confess it. Like the fact that it's out there uh, in somebody else's hands who has some level of authority and influence on my life or the people's life around me yeah. uh, is it one, it, it is, well, it primarily is, an, is, a, is a level of accountability for me to question or second guess the things I'm saying or doing knowing it's in somebody else's hands or will be in somebody else's hands. Right. So it's a level of accountability. It's a level of freeing myself from shame and guilt. I mean, the stuff that's inside me that nobody else knows uh, eats me up and continues to eat me up until I am able to fully submit to God and be freed and cleansed from my sin uh, and or um, get it out from inside of me into the world and see the consequences of it rather than live in the constant fear and slavery of worry about the potential consequences of it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's great. The, I mean, AA has this wonderful step that's your, or this wonderful saying is you're only as sick as your secrets. And the idea is that as soon as, as soon as we confess something, you know, we're freed from the bondage that right. it holds over us, you know, yeah. the secrets far more dangerous than the sin or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of took that idea. Well, first of all, too, the scripture tells us that we should confess our sins one to another. Yes. It says that. Yes. Right. So which means me to you, you to me or me to somebody. Yeah. 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 Somebody. Um, but but you had mentioned to me this kind of idea. Uh, and, and I thought it was really fascinating. Why don't you tell the listeners about sort of your your spiritual board of directors is kind of uh, how you had talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it's not exactly the same, but yep. Yeah. Yeah. I guess something I'm working towards and I'm like, again, I'm two thirds done and I've been two thirds done it and haven't had full implementation of it. I was getting close to it and then obviously the COVID stuff hit, um, which doesn't have to impact it, but it kind of does. But the idea is for me, it's connected to mentorship as well. Um, yeah. But for me, uh, for a long time, I felt like I've needed a mentor or somebody who I trust and look up to in all areas of their life. And I feel the safety and the freedom as well to confess sin towards and know that it's safe with them, that they're going to mm -hmm. guide me. They're going to be wise counsel. They're also going to hold me accountable and care about me enough to hold me accountable. But, I, but that there's nothing I can't tell them that is unsafe to share with them. That was right. the idea. And, uh, and I was looking for that for a little while. And, and to be honest, I had a hard time finding it. And that's not because there's not awesome people around me. Um, but part of that is just when you're, at, when you're a pastor, there's, you work with other pastors but they're your colleagues, right? Yeah. And some of them are your bosses and others are your friends or your peers. Um, and so there's a, there's a dynamic there that's not always that safe. safe there's a level right. of like they trust, you trust them because they're going through the same sort of stuff because they're also pastors, right. but you work together in the same organization, right? With yeah. the same people. So there's something that needed to be, I was looking for somebody that could be, have some understanding for a pastor but not be someone I worked with directly. Mm. Uh, but I have some pastor friends who don't live nearby. And then the other criteria was that it needs to be someone I can actually sit in front of face-to-face -face on a regular basis. Yeah. And they can hold, like they can challenge me face-to-face. -face. Like I can stand up against a video call or a phone call. It's not as scary. Sitting across the room from you, looking at you eye-to-eye, yeah. -eye, that's, that's a little bit more of a level of accountability. It's a little more right. intimidating. Mm -hmm. so, um, so basically kind of coupled that desire and need um, with, with just looking for kind of mentorship in certain areas of my life, 
in kind of all areas of my life, I was having a hard time finding one person who fit that mold that I didn't know already. And mm-hmm. I asked a few people for leads and I didn't get good leads on somebody. And then somebody came across, uh, came, I came across somebody with the idea of a personal board of directors. And the mm-hmm. idea was that it doesn't have to be just one person who fits that perfect mold who you respect and look up to in all areas of their life. Right. And that you can confess all of your sin to and they can have you know, all access to, to every area right. of your life. Um, but actually looking for different people who you look up to for different reasons and for different areas of their life mm-hmm. and give that kind of access to the same level of vulnerability, right. but with a primary focus on one certain area of my life. Mm. And so the six kind of areas of my life were um, uh, diet and exercise, finances, um, family, life and marriage, um, uh, uh, rest, Sabbath and social time kind yeah. of relationships, uh, pastoral, just straight up pastoral ministry, mentor, and am I missing one? I don't know. I oh, count. theology and personal mission. There you go. Those are the six categories that I broke up just based on my life. Yeah. And I picked six men that each of them I look up to and respect for the different reasons Yeah. Um, who I am uh, kind of developed a program for and haven't fully implemented it with them, but, but it would give them full access to my life. And then it would be a, a monthly... Um, they would be following up with me monthly for me to confess, quote unquote, confess sins to them yeah. on a monthly basis um, or answer a series of questions about right. my life and then certain things. Uh, and so that's kind of, yeah. does that paint the picture? Yeah, no. I, and I, I was just struck with the, the idea of like, you know, we, we often get stuck in, um, we, we think the liturgy is the target to aim for. Hmm. And I don't think that that's true. What I loved about what, what the kind of the journey that you've been on is that you saw the a missing piece, a missing piece of meaning mm-hmm. in your life and in your discipleship and in your growth and in you, you know, and your leadership, you know, and you went after the meaning first. Yeah. And that the liturgy sort of took the form of this new, you know, this spiritual form of board that's of directors. Good. Yeah. Directors, and I love that idea because as as a Christian, we all have struggled with finding um, meaningful relationships to help us in this discipleship journey. Yep. You know, like it's it's hard. No one person fits the mold. You know, yeah. and there is a huge benefit to a high church tradition where a priest you know, uh, has authority and has access and has authentic, you know, uh, you know, that confession time Mm -hmm. and can kind of kick you in the pants a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of instruct you on what's right and what's wrong and how to make it right or whatever and all that kind of stuff in their own tradition and stuff. And, um, and, and we have lost sort of that piece of meaning. Yeah. And, and I think that that is a great suggest, like a, creative way to kind of reincorporate a liturgy that's really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, and so for, for, our, for you guys listening, I think that um, one of the things that you should be thinking about, especially in this season, is just what kinds of things do we invest our time? What practices do we continue to go through and continue to um, invest time in? You know, maybe it's being a fan of the Cleveland Browns. and Hope not. Right. Like me. Um, <laughs> Which is why I don't really watch football. It's because it's unwatchable. Uh, sorry, Cleveland. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's what you call dead tradition. Dead tradition. <laughs> yeah, being a fan of the. Yeah, 
yeah, I know. Well, it's kind of good that <laughs> we're not going to lose this year, <laughs> you know, if this continues. Um, so anyway, uh, what I was trying to say was if you're at home listening and, and you're, you're thinking about these things, I would, I would encourage you to just consider, kind of take that liturgical audit, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. see what you're investing your time and your money and your talents and, and your energies into um, and, and try to incorporate some, some liturgies into your life that might be more specifically spiritual. Yeah. You know, that might be more specifically geared around development as a, as a believer, as a follower in Christ. Yeah, for those who know, don't know, the, the motivation, the primary meaning was mm-hmm. the health of the disciple and the health of the disciple maker. That was the idea. The idea mm-hmm. was I am healthier as a disciple if I have this, and then I'm healthier as a disciple maker. I have yeah. better influence. I have better protections in my life. I am living a more disciple-like life, and I'm actually more effective in actually loving others and discipling others. That was kind of the, the motivation, the end yeah. goal, which is what led to, well, if that's true, the whole self needs to be healthier. And mm-hmm. the whole self includes my financial life, my physical yeah. health and fitness life, my, you know, personal mission and theology life, like it includes all those things. That was kind yeah. of the, the meaning of motivation. Yeah. And then that's where, so like what you're saying, that's, it was built out of that. Built out of it. And I, I, I love it. And that's mm. actually how those liturgies started to begin with. That's how they all start. Is, is they were going after meaning mm-hmm. yep. and, and, and the liturgy formed around it. Yeah. Whether it be baptism or communion or, or marriage, even as yeah. a ceremony, as a liturgy, that's all good. those things were built out of a desire to, to fulfill meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really, 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 really cool. And I think we can learn a lot from our, our Catholic brothers and sisters is, and, and our, and our uh, Anglican brothers and sisters and people around the world who, um, you know, practice the faith in a different manner. Yeah. Um, those things, we, we should, we'd be foolish not to learn from them. Which is what we're trying to do with the Seder meal coming up this yeah. weekend. That's the idea. Just and I'm so excited about that. Yep. So, uh, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll encourage you again, just, just make sure you subscribe. Uh, like the channel and uh, make sure you comment. Let us know what you want to hear about, what yeah. you want to talk about. This is for you. So uh, the more that you share with us, the more that we can, uh, you know, chit chat about it. Um, we're hoping to be able to have guests on uh, and do uh, bring some more voices in because you know we're 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 just two idiots. So, well, one idiot yeah, and yeah. me. One and a half. Did you see the burn? I yeah. burned you anyway. Thanks. Well, we love you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you next week uh, for sure. Uh, make sure you uh, follow us on the live stream and stuff like that as we continue to do this COVID series yeah. um, uh, season. And uh, yeah, happy Palm Sunday. Yep. From me to you. 